Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by MarketingForAttorneys.com, helping attorneys and law firms clarify and upgrade their marketing and messaging to help grow their firms while reducing reliance on pay-per-click advertising. Visit MarketingForAttorneys.com to book your free consultation today. My guest today is River Roaring. River graduated from the University of California Hastings College of Law in San Francisco and was a trial attorney with her own law office by the courthouse in Austin, Texas for over 20 years. During that time, she was also a hardcore social justice activist, organizer, and lobbyist, helping to pass many new laws at the local and state level. Now River has closed her law office and has become a professional sexual healer. River has been an avid philosopher since high school and continues to love ideas. She's a natural health nut who has never asked a Western medical physician for advice, never had health insurance, hasn't eaten meat in over 30 years, has used cannabis daily for over 30 years, has amassed innumerable certifications in the sexual and spiritual realms, and loves to live life ecstatically. River's passion is to support relational evolution, especially in love, sex, and intimacy. She offers private sessions and small group workshops and organizes a variety of communities. Thank you so much for joining me today, River, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, Pacifico. You're welcome, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. So take me back a little bit. What first drove you to get a law degree? That's pretty easy. <laughs> it has to do with my control freak nature. <laughs> and I, what drives me through all of life was when I was selecting my major at UT, University of Texas, Austin has 50,000 undergrads and a large set of classes and programs. And I was looking through the catalog thinking, wow, I can pick any major. And I, it was really easy. It was like philosophy. There's no doubt about it. Philosophy. I want to know every idea in the world. Like what could be more exciting than knowing all the ideas? And so I signed up for philosophy. And then once that degree was completed, I could see that my professors were professors and they were writing books and it didn't seem like anyone cared about their books. <laughs> so the control freak in me is like, how could I do something that has to do with ideas that people have to follow? And boom, went to law school. Which is like, oh, that's where people come up with all the best ideas in the world to govern us. And then they have the force of law and people have to do them. That was just where I went after that. Oh, very nice. Mm. So then what drove you to transition from law into sexual healing and the work you're doing now? Yeah, so I was 
definitely from the day out of law school, I was in my business for myself. I had my own law office. I quickly developed into a family law specialist in divorce and custody suits. And the only people who are going to court, as far as I could tell, were family law and criminal defense and did a tiny bit of criminal defense, but I really could not stand the clients. I just wanted to punch them in the face because <laughs> you have to start out in misdemeanors. So I think if I'd started out in high level felonies, I could have gotten along better with them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, um, I just realized I, I can't stand these misdemeanors as clients. I want to be in trial all day. I don't want to be sitting around. So got really good at divorce and custody and had that for 20 years. And while I was doing that, I was super involved over at the legislature where, what do they do? Come up with ideas and make people do them. <laughs> and so that's where I was spending all my free time. And so I got into a group that we started, we started our own police accountability work in the nineties here in Austin. That resulted in creating the first civilian oversight system here in Austin, which is called the Austin Police Monitor's Office. And a few years ago, I was a finalist to be the Austin Police Monitor. That was right when I was transitioning away from the law. And we also went into a ton of racial justice, social justice, and we finally realized that we could write our own laws. And so I talked to some staffers up at the Texas legislature who told me that they have never seen social justice fighters write their own laws. They were like, we've been up here 30 years and we've only seen people come up here with big signs saying, stop this, stop that, don't do this, don't do that. But we came up with the idea of writing our own laws. So we came up with the racial profiling law. We came up with the, uh, a bunch of laws over time. We've radically depopulated our prisons here in Texas and went toward treatment instead for nonviolent offenders. But I think the big title change, tide, tide turn, was when we realized we can write a law. We don't have to just fight laws. And so then we started really creating our own imaginary universe where things were awesome. And we wrote the laws and would get people to carry the laws forward and pass them. And that was a blast. And then I just basically, I'll be honest, I had a personal crisis. My boyfriend and I broke up. We had been living together. And when that happened, I realized I really don't have much in my life other than work and him and he's gone. And in my head was echoing, you work too much. You work too much. You work all the time. And I had always blown that off when I'd heard it. But after the breakup, I thought, actually, I think that is correct. And I honestly went into a year of like a depression. I started backing out of all the politics. I decided I'm not going to do anything that means nothing. And I realized everything I'm doing means nothing. If I die and we pass 10 more laws, I will not be happy. I will not be feeling like I had a worthwhile. And so I pared back everything that didn't matter in my life until I was just going to the office and coming home and sitting in my living room every day, just by myself for a year. And then finally, I was thinking like, God, I guess the whole world is meaningless. I guess nothing means anything. Nothing excites me. Nothing makes sense as if it were going to be exciting. And then Pacifico, I was sitting on my couch one day and I remembered the sexual fantasy that I'd been having a lot. And I felt something. And I felt 
a tingle in my belly. And it was like, oh my God, I haven't felt anything in so long, like anything. And so the truth of it is, I went to the computer and for some reason I typed in Austin BDSM because my fantasy was kinky. And boom, there was this whole underground community here in Austin. And that's the day my life changed. It was 15 years ago. And once wow. I got into that community and I started expressing myself like crazy sexually and feeling things again, I started wondering what else is in this town I don't know about. And I made it my specialty to find every subculture in Austin, Texas. And back then we had a lot of them. And there I found spirituality. And so right there, 15 years ago, my sexuality and my spirituality started to grow together. Before that, I would have considered myself an atheist. So there we go. 15 years later, it grew into a life purpose. I closed my law office and I'm a full-time sexual healer and love sex and intimacy coach. Wow, that is a hell of a journey. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. That is so awesome. So talk to me a little bit about your work. Like what's involved? What do you do for people? How do you help them? Almost everything in our society we learn about sex, gender, and love relationships is wrong. It, it's almost 100% wrong. And so I make it my business to work with people who feel like jumping in with me and we find their authentic love sex and intimacy, which is each one of us, I find as humans, we need touch. That's been proven in scientific experiments. I don't know. If, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but we need touch as a need as a, being a human. We don't need any specific sexual act as a human, but what we have as a need in the realm of sexuality as humans we each need to express our unique sexuality somehow. And I am such a believer in that. I am such a believer in throwing out the scripts, throwing out all the crap that society told us we're supposed to be in our sexuality and helping people find out who they really are and then finding other partners who are that way as well. I love that. Yeah, I've had, I've actually had, I've been very fortunate to talk to a couple of people on, on similar things. One recent interview I did, a woman named Lana Elko, she's in like the Bay Area, I think in California. And she does some like similar work to you. And she was all about deprogramming the, the social and cultural, yeah. everything that we learned growing up. And she takes this framework of, but we have all these different relationship containers that for the most part, like we have this universal container of marriage that it's, oh, everyone just get, get in the same container, get in the same box and right. have these same expectations. And it really is incredibly stifling in a lot of ways. And that why can't one thing we started to talk about is like, why can't we have like a la carte marriage, right? Like why can't we get any of the same legal rights as we want? and mm. not have to have the full bore thing not necessarily have to entangle like property with each other or something but it's oh i want hospital visitation rights with this person mm -hmm. there's so there's such an emphasis put on marriage it's really interesting to me you look back at you know, the whole like civil unions versus marriage fight and now i'm thinking more actually why can't we just decentralize marriage and decouple marriage from itself right like why does that have to be the one thing why can't we give absolutely all these rights 
and people can have all sorts of different arrangements right whether and of course like this country is like very puritanical right like we're still living the trauma of the pilgrims and the puritans from back in the day and that permeates throughout society so it's oh everything should be heteronormative it should be one man one woman like that's still the default expectation you we put it in on children even from the sandbox it's like oh you know he's hitting you because he likes you she's doing this because all those kinds of really toxic things that we don't even understand some people understand and some psychologists understand but by and large pop culture and, and most most people don't understand like how much conditioning is going on and how much it's just a product of things that happened before like we can actually completely reinvent human sexuality right like the work you're doing it's like we can reimagine what all of this can be and we can actually find something better for ourselves Absolutely. And on the marriage, I would go back further than our country. I would go to agriculture Mm. when husbandry became a thing. So then men learned to husband animals. And that's where the word came from of owning and husbanding a wife. And so that's 10,000 years. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of conditioning. We're we're like, (laughs) we're swimming in it and we don't even know it, you know? Oh yeah. Hell, you go back even further. It's like just our old like lizard brains and stuff. It's like fight or flight responses. Okay. We haven't actually had to worry about real predators in thousands and thousands of years. And yet we can't rid our brains of that. Like we can get Mm. to certain places where you can, intellectualize yourself out of it you get in certain situations and it's still just going to mimic those same things it's incredible what stays with us genetically i've talked a lot lately with different people about how there's a lot of focus on like the trauma of the covid pandemic and the trauma of the great recession but we actually are still living out a lot of the trauma of the great depression because like boomers were raised by people with nothing and what did boomers do like they then just hoarded everything like as soon as they're just like oh we don't have enough food right. we gotta get more and then they can't go without and then it's oh they got everything and then they don't want to let it go and yeah. and then it's just it's really damaging and we're still really we haven't even gotten over that and it's oh man that was like we're getting close to 100 years on that and so it's oh we're going to be dealing with this like recent shit for another 100 years probably and not learning the proper lessons and not escaping that trauma just because we are just our brains are so hardwired to internalize that trauma and then Mm. make it into something new yes and speaking of trauma that we don't really realize i feel that um That whole sexual script of, there are so many sexual scripts that are harming us a lot right now, but that one script of like first base, second base, third base home, that one's driving me crazy lately. Like I don't ever want to do that again. I will never do that again. That is a dead script to have to start with kissing, then some touching, then some under the clothes, maybe something goes inside something, maybe something is orally done with one person. And then there's a penis and a vagina and then it's that is to me that is dead that is dead i don't ever want to hear it again i don't want to see it again i i it pains me and i believe it pains other humans because we have an awful lot of women in the united states who either think they don't like sex which i would say you probably don't like what you've been doing and then they think sex hurts and i would probably say probably the way you've been doing it hurts And then men who feel like they have to perform and go toward goals. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, if you think that's what you have to do, that sounds 
miserable. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you think, I think of a book like uh, Your Body Keeps the Score and yes. just thinking about how much of the things that happen in our body are really totally psychosomatic. But there's this other underpinning of, oh, if you tell someone that something is all in their mind, like that, that is dismissive. And it's no, it's actually, you can be dismissive and say that, but it's also really not dismissive. It's actually trying to unearth the actual truth that the human brain is so powerful that mm. just look at something like the nocebo or placebo effects, right? Your brain can trick you into any number of things, mm -hmm. not the least of which is that like sex is painful, whether it's because you had one experience that actually was painful. And so then your brain just says sex equals pain. And mm -hmm. then every other time you have sex after that, your brain just makes it painful for you, even though that's not the actual physical experience happening that you then need to go through therapy or maybe EMDR or like other types of things to basically release. And what that reminds me is of how in our culture, we're taught if something isn't working right, we need to adapt ourselves mm. to the outside world. Whereas I teach people, no, you adapt the outside world to you. Oh, absolutely. And so I think that applies to so many contexts. Yeah. So it's not that it's not that your body needs to learn how to uh, have fun doing that activity. It's that activity. And you I mean, need to find an activity that is actually pleasurable. Oh, yeah. And I think humans do that in so many contexts, right? Mm -hmm. Say a toxic work environment. You mm -hmm. can have a, a toxic, narcissistic boss, and then you just start to internalize things and just be like, oh, what am I doing wrong? How can I like placate this person? How, you know, and it's incredible too, because like having children, really taught me how early that you get incredibly sophisticated like coping skills and different types of like maneuvering right so it's you can have children that will recognize that other children have tantrums really badly and so they'll start to walk on eggshells around them they'll just circumlocute their behavior around that child so that they're just like eh, it's just not worth it like i'm yeah. gonna avoid that instead of forcing the people with the problems to actually deal with the problems and adjust themselves exactly and i'll tell you if you want to hear another this one drives me crazy as far as culture harming us and not being true to who we are. And that is, this one kills me and I've never heard anyone mention it, but everyone who works with me understands it. Boner shame. So mm. what I'm saying is we tell all men, you cannot move your body naturally, period, in the world. Which part of your body? The most energized part. You cannot move that naturally in the world. And that we now know 100% that body, mind, emotions, and soul are one. So that mm -hmm. means I'm turning off your mind. I'm turning off your emotions. It means that even at your own home, with your own family, you cannot move your body naturally. You must keep your boner from showing which means oh, yeah. you must keep some thoughts off, which must means you mu must keep some of your emotions off at all times. And then the wicked part is we go back to these same men and we say, well, you have no emotions. Why aren't you in touch with your emotions? And we say, you're not creative in bed. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you creative in bed? As if they could think about it all day. And then we say... <laughs> 
Yeah, and then we say, and when it is time to have sex, now you need a boner that is rock hard 100% of the time until the end, and then it goes down never to be seen again until I say the on switch is on. And that's not how our bodies work, and I am pissed about this because 50% of the population of the world in the Western world, and I think almost all the world, is very seriously emotionally scarred and sexually scarred. And what does that do for the other 50%, the ladies? It harms us a lot. So that's just another example where I've never met anybody who had even noticed that before. Oh, I totally do. Like, I just, as you were talking, I was just thinking about like, growing up, like all this sort of like adjustment strategies that you're like taught because it's oh oh you have an attractive teacher and you're 13 years old and it's like get a boner multiple times a day and it's just like and it's just like oh god what am i gonna do or just like looking at anyone and just oh as you're growing up and it's you have that much testosterone it's you want to have sex with everyone and it's just you're constantly bombarded with sexual thoughts and stuff like that and it's just like oh tuck your boner into the waistband of your pants or like behind your belt or what and it's just like all this which then is like painful right yeah. and then you're engaging in all these like different like painful activities and and stuff and then and it is like a really great sort of microcosm and metaphor but also direct link like you're talking about of you're literally taking the penis and putting it in not like shackles but like that's maybe more bdsm or something but you're like actually just like restraining it you're just like no and then to me it's kind of then is it any wonder we have these sort of overreactions like we have most violence is male violence which like could whether that's directly linked to testosterone or not is like a different story but if we're repressing the just natural expression of sexuality especially in men and boys it's okay well how are you actually supposed to express this? And then we end up with kids like shooting up a school or they're just like, you end up yeah. with like incel culture and stuff like that. And it's, they just, there's absolutely like no healthy relationship that's built. Cause even from, I remember like health classes and stuff, it's all just keep in your pants and don't do this or that. And it's boys and men are always just like pushed as like the predators, which like by and large they are in practice but we don't think we just could accept that as that's the natural state of the world not that there's things that we're doing to society that actually push that and could we actually develop a sexual health and sexual education that if we started teaching five and seven year old kids hell babies get boners they're basically born right it's, it's just right. no control over it but yeah. it's like when you're say like five to seven years old you start to notice it and you're just like, my penis is sticking. Like, they have no idea what it is. And they have no yeah. idea why it's happening. And it can happen for any number of reasons when you're that young. But it's just like, oh, this is taboo. We're not going to talk about it. Not address it. Don't touch yourself. And it's just this, again, puritanical repression. Like, we can't just live openly as a society and be like, hey, we used to all run around in like loincloths 20,000 years ago, if that. So, right. and now it's, oh, let's cover up. Let's hide this. And it's, you're hiding a fundamental aspect of yourself. It's just not allowing even like children to be naked, not allowing people to be naked. It's just because it always has to be sexual. Oh, there's no just like nude body in the world that is not sexualized. And that, I think that in and of itself just does so much damage but you do see different cultures, whether it's like in France or there's obviously a little bit more permissiveness in Europe where they're just like, cool, you're naked, whatever. Who cares? It's There's like 
certain parts of the world where nudity is like passe in a way or maybe toplessness um but in the u.s it's just still oh everyone is like a walking nc-17 movie waiting to happen so let's cover up and not not show anyone that we're all fucking humans like we get it come on let's just be honest with what's actually happening you're so right and just like with so many other things by attempting to repress it we actually emphasize it so we're sitting here attempting to act to some people like certain things aren't sexual and what we're really doing is over sexualizing it absolutely so we're actually over sexualizing nudity we're over sexualizing whether a boner is showing or not because i've talked to most men i talk to say most of the time my boner is related to sexual arousal but sometimes it's just moving on its own just on this mission of some kind it's just friction it's just especially if you haven't gotten touched by someone in a long time and then your khakis rub against your leg in a certain way and then it's just oh hello and it's just you have no control over that whatsoever but what immediately happens i do not know a single person with a penis that does not immediately experience like some form of shame or be which is just that immediate adjustment right the, oh shit oh or it happens at a table and then you have to stand up and you're like doing this weird oh i'm gonna get up from the table and adjust myself in this weird move and everyone does like 50 percent of the world has to do that on a daily basis and it's so filled with shame and self-judgment and self-loathing like oh it's i remember one of like the amazing things like learning to learning to kill a boner by flexing right so if you flex your quadricep is like the the largest the larger the muscle like the more blood you can draw and so that's one of the most magical things okay like you just flex your quads and all of a sudden the blood will rush into your quads and then it's like okay there's no you don't have the blood to sustain a boner or something and so that's one of the easier just like ways you can do it without touching anything because obviously then there's definitely situations like before i had learned that there were situations you just absolutely could not get out of without a very obvious oh like my boner's sticking out of my pant leg here (laughs) and i move it over to the other side or something and it's just it's so wild and we just it's one of those things right like everyone everyone with a penis deals with that every day and never talks about it it kills me yeah it kills me do you know how many men complain of quote unquote erectile dysfunction also of course the same time this is happening of course it's like how much of yeah you just taught yourself not to have a boner at inappropriate times and then it's is it going to work the rest of the time it's yeah like, why you know, should it you've or it. yeah how much shame have, and that's the thing it's like again like the power of the brain how much erectile dysfunction is really some actual physical malady and how much is just like your brain being like oh i'm so ashamed i'm just gonna cut it off and just not have boners anymore because that would just be easier yes brother you're so into this is really a lot of what i do you're so into it and yeah i have a blog that says erectile is erectile dysfunction really cultural dysfunction that's a good one yeah it's like for the most part so much of it it's yes there's like real diseases and other stuff that can cause stuff but at the same time i think it is a mostly psychosomatic thing and then we get into this culture of just oh just take a fucking oh okay and then oh couldn't get a boner it's now you have one for four hours you can't get that sucks fuck having a boner for an hour sucks like it's just eventually that's a lot of blood surging 
for a long ass time and making something really rigid and hard and it's no thank you and then as you want to get rid of it and if you're taking a pill then you don't have you're giving up control right and it's like going from that internal locus of control to an external mm -hmm. locus of control you're giving up control literally giving up control of your own body instead of focusing on like how can i get my mind to shift about how I feel about having an arrest. That's so beautifully put. And I love focusing on the internal versus external locus of control, what I sometimes call personal power. What that is to me, that is personal power is realizing you, me, we, I, I am creating everything in my life, everything. So I distinguish between victim and creator mindset. And the victim sees their life as a, the victim of circumstance and how the boss is mean and, the, uh, and this won't work. And I'm just trying to make it through this life that's happening to me. Whereas that's not actually how the world works. It's sadly how right. it sadly, if you want to do that, you can get stuck thinking that's how it works. And you can, again, you can alter your own li life to fit what you think the external world wants. But I really love helping people find out who, who I really am, who you really are, and modify the world to fit you and create a world. Well, the magic of the universe really is that each one of us is creating a reality. So I think I really wish more people understood that because I hear a lot of talk about this is never going to happen. That'll never happen for me. And as soon as I hear that, I think, so may it be. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, as oh, yeah. You you're, now, exactly. So you're going to get so whether you think you can or you think you can't. You're right. It's just like exactly. you're in you're in full control. And I think that is like the victim mentality and the victim mindset is one of the most toxic and pernicious things that afflicts humanity. And it's and then people be like, but there's real victims out there. And so what you need to adopt there is actually like a survivor mentality. Mm -hmm. I've been like sexually assaulted as a child and it's not, oh, I'm not like, oh, I'm a victim and the world owes me something and I'm going to just like wallow in pain or whatever. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's a shitty thing that happened to me. And so I can just go on with my life and make my life better and not do that to other people and <laughs> prevent it from happening to other people. And, and you can just like make something better. Like you can always make something better. And, but then there's just people, they just want to wallow in that because otherwise you got to put in effort. You got to do self-reflection. You got to actually figure out like, oh, how can I improve my circumstances? And there's people who have nothing, literally nothing in the world and mm -hmm. are some of the happiest people in the world because it's literally all in your mind. Mm -hmm. It's literally just what you create your reality and, and how you reflect on it. And I, through multiple like deployments in Afghanistan and Niger, and I'd meet people living with next to nothing or nothing completely and experiencing joy, experiencing ecstatic joy. Mm -hmm. And because they were just happy to be alive. Like they just love the experience of being alive. And then I would come back to the US and for me, it was like, I always say it was like fight club. It's like it turned the volume down on life. And I would just look around at people like what they would complain about. And I'd just be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you live in the United States and fuck, I was homeless in the United States. Mm. Being homeless in the United States was like way nicer than conditions I've seen people living in that live on like less than a dollar a day in mm. other countries. And it's just people have no sense of perspective for like how amazing it is to live in the richest country in the world. It's like even even someone who's like in the middle class in the US now, even as shitty as like the last year has been, you're still like living better than like royalty 
a thousand or fifteen hundred or five hundred years ago. Yeah. Like the things that you have at your beck and call now, it's obscene. And then it just blinds us because we continually just ramp up like our level of expectation. So it's oh, if I don't have X level of life everything sucks and then it just like delves into that same like victim mentality and all these things just tie in together and it's because i think a big part of it too is just the sort of collective unconscious of it is like, oh okay if you just have tons and tons of people in the first world like living this victim mentality it's like, what is that doing to us as a species like writ large how much happiness does that prevent how much happiness is prevented in this country by not having guaranteed health care for everyone i know like in the military that was one thing i was like oh, I don't really need to worry about healthcare. And it's just a love, it's a type of stress that just ceases to exist. And then you get out and you're like, oh shit, I'm worried about healthcare again, or I'm worried about how can I take care of myself or how can I go to a dentist or how can I get this or that done? And it's just, there's just not a real responsibility taken for, oh, hey, we can actually take care of everyone. This is the richest country to ever exist. We can actually provide for people and, we're just like yeah fuck it let's just keep doing this like we need rugged individualism and it's just we've never it's silly too because for 99 percent of human history it's always been a communal thing right there's never been an individual it's never been about the individual because Correct. you could never get along and now we're like oh you can magically do everything by yourself and it's like, no you still can't you just have the illusion that you can you have individual people that we like lionize that oh they did all this on their own it's, no they didn't nobody does yeah, you're reminding me of the preppers I've seen lately. It's like, okay, after you shoot everybody around your house and you're barricaded in there, then what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Where do you go from there? You have a few cans of beans. You've got everyone shot all around your house. They're dead. Now what? <laughs> I don't oh, know where yeah. that goes. <laughs> that stuff is so crazy to me. Just the amount of... Fe the yeah. amount of like fear-based living in this country is so wild to me and i especially i never saw it as strongly as like when i lived when i was in the army living in north carolina and you just go around and obviously like tons of confederate flags everywhere and just like tons of people who are just you know have people like open carry to like upper class grocery stores and you're like what do you think is gonna happen it's like <laughs> you're the most dangerous person in here now like for no fucking reason but it's oh everyone wants to be the cowboy everyone wants to save the day and it's just like 99 percent of the time that's not gonna fucking happen because it's like even people with the average amount of like training in the military like they suck in those situations too right if you're a high level like special Maybe. operations person or something like yeah you're meant to like work in those situations and those situations are still very tough but then it's you got johnny law thinking he can just like all right i'm gonna hop in and save someone by the produce stand and it's like, what the fuck are you talking about this is just such nonsense but people are just like oh like all the criminals have guns and everyone has guns it's just like oh my god i mostly feel for people who are like do that out of fear right and there's yeah. certainly if you live out in the middle of the fucking woods and there's like mountain lions and shit so yeah you should probably have a gun <laughs> you know there's a fucking bear will come down on you or something but it's okay if you're just like living among if you're living in the suburbs and stuff like you really don't need that for protection and then statistically you're more likely to harm someone in your own house but it's like we can't people don't want to have real conversations about that shit because like oh i'm this individual it could happen to me it could happen right to anyone, you know yeah Pacifico, I want to thank you for your service to our country. 
Oh. Thank you you sounds your, like you've really done a lot there. Thank, thank you. you for paying your taxes if you were doing that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> generally, generally. <laughs> there you go. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And so I love what you're saying just because the victim and creator applies in our sexuality so much. Mm, and the absolutely. And the idea of are you adapting to the outside world's expectations or are you really digging deep down in to find out your own turn on and living that? And I just wanted to mention, too, that lately I've been really enjoying Wilhelm Reich. This is a guy who died about 100 years ago in the United States in a prison for his ideas. And his book was the only book the FDA, United States FDA, has ever burned publicly. And uh, yeah, a hundred years ago, he basically was killed for these ideas that I want to share with you. And they have not come back out, in my opinion, at all since the last hundred years. And basically what he was saying, he has a few antiquated takes on things that are, to me, they're on the sidelines. But his main point I love, which was his main point was, we are these electrical beings which I believe is totally found true now in science, where we're these energetic electrical beings. And he said that our sexual charge is part of our electrical charge and it needs to be expressed and released. And so when we go through life with all of these society and cultural things like the boner shame, not letting us release our true sexuality and all the expectations and really stupid ideas that come out of porn these days that aren't true, And people have all these ideas about what they're supposed to do. And they're actually repressing their true charge. And Wilhelm Reich says that sexual charge repression is behind all mental illness and all political domination. So all dictatorships and all that kind of stuff. And and I really am, am, the more I'm looking at this, the more I'm agreeing with it. So just to round this out, I feel like, Each one of us as a human has a physical animalistic need to release a unique form of sexual expression and our culture is trying so hard to repress it. And I truly believe that's what's behind so many of our problems these days. And that's why I do this. And then I just want to finish by saying to me, the real prepping is to build and invest in deep, loving connection with other humans. Because when the big Armageddon stuff comes down and all the dystopia comes down, which I think is going to keep happening, we're going to have more disruptions as we have the last year, in my opinion. And as things get more disrupted, we lost our power. I lost my power in Texas for almost a week. And as these things get more disrupted, The prepping I want to do is have deep, loving human connection. And in that community, be clear, no one's hurting each other. And no one's going to allow anyone else to be hurt. So this is why I do the work I do. I consider that what I do and what my clients learn to do is the real prepping. Oh, and I think that's so important, right? Because most of this conversation we've talked about the individual and how 
damaged and frustrated and repressed every individual is. And it's no wonder then that we have, whether it's a 50% divorce rate or high rape statistics or all, like all of these different things that we just take for granted or just like, oh, that's just life. And it's maybe not <laughs> like maybe there's some issues like we could work out like a little bit more upstream that then wouldn't cause these problems, right? If anyone, if everyone could actually heal their inner child because this is just a country full of damaged grown-up children and it's just we just have to deal with that everything we deal with every day is like 90 percent that problem and yeah. it's if we actually fix that right if boomers were like interested in healing their inner children the world would be a better place and i think like gen x a little bit and then more millennials are like the first generations to really be like oh wait a minute like we actually have to do something better. It's like we can't just remove what we learned. Like we have to create something more positive. It's yeah. like even in parenting, you can't just say, I'm not going to do what my parents did. You have to actually create something new. You have to say, I, no, I'm actually going to do this better thing. Because when push comes to shove, you're just going to revert into that same thing. So you can be like, oh, my parents were like beaten with weapons. And so now I'm just going to spank my children it's like that's still child abuse and then the children of that are like oh, i'm not going to spank my children but i'm still going to yell at them well, that's really borderline child abuse still but right? it's still traumatic for sure and so it's getting to those points where but we're really breaking cycles that have existed for like millions of years back into like precursor homo sapien pre-homo sapien evolution it's just been primates beating the shit out of each other for eons and it's now this is the actual time we're like we're done we're going to do something different. And I think what you're doing is really great because it's and then infusing that into sexual realm, which is so important because that does govern so much of our thoughts and so much of what happens to us. I love how you think Pacifico. <laughs> oh, it's you. not, it reminds me of, it's not a, it's not enough to just stop the bad rules or mm. laws. We got to make new rules and laws. Let's that's where when we, we're being invited to do that right now, 2021, we are being invited to reimagine yeah. and redream this entire scenario and, and question everything and redream and reimagine and write new rules. I remember Fast Times at Ridgemont High when that guy was like, we ditched Europe because they had stupid rules and broke schools. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and we need to write new rules, write a whole oh, totally. new rule book now. I That's love what how I'm you all think, about. brother. I oh, love that. thank you. Thank I feel you that so in much. you. Oh, yeah. I, really, I really appreciate that. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Really feel that in you. Well, River, this has been a really awesome conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for days and I'd love to have you back on the show sometime. But that does bring me to my final question of the day. Okay. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> That is such a great one. You know what it is? It's the person who has given me enough space to let my own self unfold authentically and not judge. Powerful. I love that. That's what it is. Yeah. I had a guest early on and he said the kindest thing someone had done. And it was also like the quote he lived by was listen other people into existence. Ooh, like, I got chills. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that that's one. it. Yeah, that's it. That's what I mean. When someone opens toward me and just lets me be me and just sees me and hears me, no judgment. Mm. Thank you for asking. Um, 
Oh, of course. Thank you again so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute Much pleasure. you have today. Much like you have just now. <laughs> You're a sweetheart. I really love chatting with you. Um, oh, thank you. hearing this. And yeah, if uh, I know you're so busy, but um, if time comes around again, I'd love to be back. Absolutely. Oh, I'd absolutely love to have you. I think it'd be great. So today's episode was brought to you by marketingforattorneys.com. If you're an attorney looking to grow your law firm and ditch the crowded field of pay-per-click advertising, then visit marketingforattorneys.com today to book your free consult. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast. Or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash theluepodcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati. Wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yes.